Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Holy shit. Well, please, not on air. (laughs) Um, this is a PG show. That's right. There will be no shitting. What about the kids? That's right. What about the what about the children? Okay. <laughs> Who was it that did the what about the children argument? Oh, God, recently? I hate the one. We even had a good what about the children. Uh, there we are. Jim McElwain probably said that. Yeah, he probably said, what about the children? Yeah, when he was just like, this is... When they brought in my family, it just wasn't right. I mean, I'm not going to say that he fucked a shark, but, you know, maybe he fucked a shark. I mean, clearly he didn't fuck a shark, and no one actually thinks he did. But Jesus, like, light the fuck up. Like, just... This is how terrible SEC media days are. Will Muschamp came off as the coach with the biggest sense of humor. (laughs) Do you realize what a collection of humorless assholes you have to have for Will Muschamp to come off as the guy who's like, yeah, that's a coach who gets it. (laughs) I, I, um, I didn't catch any of Hugh Freeze's, but I enjoyed Bunky Perkins. Telling, talking about how you should just fucking uh, uh, stump it and just sit up there and like read the phone book. <laughs> who was the one who said he should read The Great Gatsby? I thought that was a good call. Oh, that's good. And besides, The Great Gatsby, it's, it's a good book, and not enough people have read it. So, yeah. would have been educational as well. It's true. But yeah, the media days is such a. I, yeah, I don't care. Billy sent that email of like a roundtable. Yeah. I think I'm the only What's one that replied. Yeah, what's your favorite thing about Media Day? Yeah, here's a little bit of peeling back the curtains. Oh, by the way, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan. (laughs) Now, we're going to make fun of shit. Roundtables and Billy sends out an email and we all respond to it and he puts it together and that becomes the roundtable article that you see on And the Valley Shook. Well, he sent out a roundtable that said, What is your favorite part of SEC Media Days? <laughs> and no one replied. <laughs> I replied and I basically said they suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did not become an article. <laughs> we strangled that one in its infancy. <laughs> We're not making fun of Billy either because I totally get it. It was relevant and it was something going on. So he was just trying to get relevant yeah, content on the site. Right? Yeah, God bless him. He's trying to generate, you know, generate content. We're just like, no, we're not having any of this. Sorry. <laughs> we don't care about that shit. 
<laughs> God, SEC media days are such a waste of time. Uh, oh, my. awful. Uh, there's really nothing I I don't want to say nothing I hate more in sports, but they're pretty high up on the list. Well, see, you get either it's going to just be a bunch of blase bullshit about improving and working hard and all that, or you're going to have the opposite, which is these really odd situations like the Sumlin thing, where they're like, "So your boss basically wants to fire you. How do you feel about that?" <laughs> like, uh, yeah. well, fuck. And how's he supposed? To- How's he supposed to answer that? He's like, well, yeah. I feel great. Huh? Yeah, like, what is he going to say? <laughs> well, like, yeah. I, I, expect be, I expect to be fired in <laughs> September and sometime in November because, as we know, I'm going to start off 4-0 like <laughs> I always do and then have my usual late October, early November swoon. <laughs> so I'll be coaching defensive backs for the Dallas Cowboys next season. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan right now. We'll see. There's still some moving parts. Yeah. Things might change. Yeah, like, yeah, I just don't, I don't get it. And then, like, you know, we all have to genuflect before Saban, which I get. Like, he has completely run roughshod over the conference, but I just don't feel like doing it. Like, you know, he, he basically just shows up and says, "Just kiss the ring." <laughs> like, everyone else gets semi-hostile questions, or at least, you know, just basic questions. Like, hey, what do you think about your team? Saban, it's pretty much like, sir. <laughs> Here are those reports you asked for, sir. <laughs> he did do the, uh, I loved his answer about, like, oh, basically no one's in your league. And he's like, well, LSU is probably the best team we play every year. Ah, God, that, that, that just, just sums it up. I imagined, just, like, a, the sitcom with the, and then he, like, turns to the camera and breaks the fourth wall. And he's like, and that's why you should come to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just twisting in the knife. I mean, yeah, it was really just. Is. And the thing is, I think he genuinely meant it. Like, no, yeah, he's like, LSU, LSU gives us the toughest game every year. But it's still just him saying it. So it's like, LSU gives us the toughest game every year. And what they do to their coach again? Oh, yeah, they just yeah. canned him because <laughs> he couldn't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and all and their players like, say it, too. Like, they lost to Clemson and they said we were the toughest game they played last year. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that kind of goes you – know, it's um, amazing. I was like, I think it was Chrissy who – posted on Twitter is like, we're only a little bit behind Bama. And I'm like, yeah, they've won 29 conference games in the last four years. We've won 19. That's a pretty big gap. But that said, 19 over the last four years is second place in the SEC. That's how big the gap is. Like, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for the, you know, LSU's now a mediocre program. It's just that Alabama's just taking laps right now. Yeah. Well, there's also the bizarre... Uh, other argument, which is like that basically we should give Ed a chance, I'm air quoting, you know, give him a chance to like build his own program. And I'm like, he has a built program. I don't, yeah, the whole like, reason we fired our coach is because we are good, not great. So you can't then just be like, well, we got to give him time to like get things set up here. I'm like, why? He has things <laughs> set up. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Like, I am giving Coach O a chance by saying that he can win 10 games this year. I have. Plenty of faith in him. He's got two of the best coordinators in the country. I think he's got the best player in the SEC on both sides of the ball in Arden Key and Darius Geis. Um, he's got a veteran quarterback coming back. Uh, I'm giving him all sorts of uh, benefit of the doubt. He, he can win. Um, but he, if he starts losing, it's not like, well, I guess we just had to rebuild everything. No, look, we we fired a coach for going five and three in the SEC. That's that's the standard. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's not suddenly not the standard. Yeah, that's that's my only. And I'm not even saying like if he goes eight and four that we should fire him. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that you by firing a coach that perpetually did better than eight and four, you were saying that wasn't acceptable. Yes, and you can't then turn and be like, well, it's he's rebuilding. I was like, well, if if Miles was still the coach, you would be livid if we went eight and four, even yeah, though he but, would have been rebuilding too. Like, but it's how he goes eight and four. Yeah, of course, <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, no, it's not. It, people, it's about winning record. And, and at the end of the day, the longer the longer you get away from a season, the only thing that matters is the record. Yeah. Um, and, and so what? Look, Ed is, and also look at the down SEC this year. You look around the conference outside of Bama, no one really scares you. This is a, you know, he's got every chance to win ten games this season, go five and three, six and two in the SEC, and. Look, if he goes six and two in the SEC, I'm not going to be doing backflips. At the same time, I'll be happy with that. I'm not going to run him out of town for it. Look, I'm not going to run him out of town for five and three. But I do think that's the baseline of what is acceptable. Since it's since we've turned the clock, the calendar to this century, since 2000, LSU has had one losing season in the SEC. Only once have we gone three and five, and once we've gone four and four. Mm-hmm. So if he goes four and four. He, which we did three years ago, he will literally be tying the second worst season in LSU history this century. So you can't tell me, oh, well, that's an okay job. We're, we're all okay now. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like some people are going to say, well, you just, you just don't like Ogeron. I'm like, no. To be clear, I would feel the same way if it was Tom Herman or Mike Gundy or whoever the hell we would have hired. It would be the same standard. But right. Like this is the standard of winning. <laughs> We're not inventing a standing for a standard for Orgeron that's only no. for him. Like this is the standard. Yes. You have to five and three and we'll be disappointed. Like we won't. Fi- I don't think you should get fired over five and three because as I've said before, that's what success looks like. You know, if you continually pump out five and three seasons, eventually you're going to start pumping out six and two, seven and ones, and you'll win the conference. So I'm okay with that. But at the same time, like that's the lower level at LSU of of acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, and for us to get excited, you know, six and two, seven and one, that's what moves the needle. And that would be no matter who's the coach, it doesn't matter. I, I think what I don't like is, is oh, well, it's this coach, he gets this set of standards, or this coach gets this set of standards. That's not how it works. Yeah. It's LSU. We have a set of standards because we're LSU. And, I mean, our athletic department dictated that by firing a good coach. As much as you I, may be tired of the way Miles was getting things done, we were still on the, the positive side of things. So Yeah, we were. We were still one of the most successful programs in the country. And Oliva and the boosters and pretty much the fan base said that isn't good enough. And I, once again, I don't want to relitigate it. That's fine. But that's the statement you've made. If that's not good enough, then the next guy has to be better. Like that's yes. that's the standard. And I don't even say he has to do better than winning a national title because I can at least say, well, over the last four or five years – Last four or five years, second best record in the SEC. That's the standard. Well, the SEC West. You you need to be consistently the second best pro. You need to have Nick Saban continually going up to that podium and saying, well, our toughest game was LSU. Now, that's small comfort. I'd rather us beat him. But if you're not going to, I still need to be the, the program that Alabama fears the most. For sure. 
And I do think, so, and here's the part where I can sympathize with people that give him time argument. I do think he will rebuild parts of the program in his own image. And that's what's exciting about this upcoming season is that it is going to be different and new because he's not the same guy as Miles. And I, I've said before, and he's a more cutthroat guy. And you take the good with the bad with that. Some people aren't going to like some of the things he's going to do. But I don't feel like he'll sit there and let a quarterback be ineffective for like four or five games and let him, quote unquote, grow into the role. Like, I think he'll yank him and play somebody else. Yeah, I think if Miles. Miles' biggest weakness was that he was loyal to a fault. Yep. And that goes to players, to coordinators. Miles had his players back. And, you know, and he would keep throwing the same guys out there because he had faith in them. And that was also a positive as well. I mean, we won some games because he put the ball in players' hands and said, make plays. And they usually did. I I agree with you. Edo's not the same way. He's going to be a lot more ruthless. He's like, well, if you can't do the job, I got three other guys on the roster who can I think there's a much bigger spirit of competition. I think he's a lot more cutthroat in recruiting. I think we've seen that, that he's a little bit more willing to, you know, shake things up and ruffle feathers. Yep. You know, Les Miles wanted everybody to play nice, and I don't think Ed owes that way, which is that's fine. Once again, it's his own image. It's his program. He gets to make those calls. Um, but also, I do think when we say this is a really exciting time, like you look at the offense – he wants to run this offense, this you know, a more wide open spread offense. This is what LSU fans have been demanding. And if you look at modern football, it's a a more mobile quarterback, a dual threat is the, the you know the big thing. That's not Etling. You know, no. he isn't he has inherited a guy who's still going to be a pro style quarterback. So, in a way, there is a false start to the era. And I don't know if that's for Canada because. Matt Canada is eventually the guy who's putting in the system, and he has run with pro-style pro, pro style quarterbacks as well. But you get the sense the fan base wants this you know, dual-threat running quarterback, and we're definitely hitting the pause button on that for a year, or at least a couple of months if Etling doesn't work out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, unless something dramatic happens in you know, the summer camp, but... Even then, like, we went through spring, and he's always basically come out and said Etling won that job. So it's kind of hard to see Etling losing out to those guys. So if the guy he did lose out to would be Brennan, who also is not a runner. Yeah, and Brennan also just looks like a stick figure so far. I just – we don't – I can't see it. I I can't see him as a freshman. I think he's going to redshirt. He's just – he's a small kid, and he can get bigger, you know, gets into a college weight room. Um, But, yeah, I think – if something happens to Etling, either he's incredibly ineffective or more likely he gets hurt. Yeah. I mean, that's the – not saying that he's likely to get hurt, but that's the way he loses his job. Is It's more likely he loses it through injury than ineffectiveness than the guys on the bench are McMillan and Scott. And then you're looking at a more dual threat kind of player. And I don't think that's something that they're game planning for. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, that would be a more, oh, it's thrust upon us. Okay, well, what are we going to do? You know, it's interesting, too. As you were talking, I was thinking we just laid out that basically this is the LSU standard, right? Like excel or be fired. And I feel like that's the standard Ogeron holds to his own players. Like him being more cutthroat, I don't think he would see it as cutthroat. It's basically just saying, like, I'm going to give you the chance to go out there and succeed. If you don't, 
I'm forced to do something else, basically. Yeah, like, and that's the game. And yeah. look, you know, Ed O knows his job is based on wins and losses. Um, he might have gotten the job a little bit because of some hometown cooking. I mean, I, I think him being from here didn't hurt his chances and already mm-hmm. being on staff helped out. Like, But that's fine. Hey, that's, that's how the game is played. Um, but yeah, I think he knows at the end of the day, if he doesn't win games, it's his butt on the line. Yeah. You know, he's the guy who's going to, you know, lose the nice house. That's for sure. You know, so like if if Arden Key has a bad year, he's still going to the NFL and going to make millions of dollars. Arden Key is going to be fine. I'm getting a little worried about Arden Key at LSU. Yeah. Like he's still not ready. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I'm whistling past the graveyard on that one because I just don't want to speculate. Yeah, Edo, yeah. Says, Edo says he's going to be ready for the season. He's going to be ready for the season. And also, like, we were talking about spring. Arden Key was not a guy who needed spring practice. I didn't no. care. No. Um, I would like him to be in camp now. I'm worried that he's not going to be there for the start of fall camp. But Yeah, that's what concerns me. At the end of the day, he's still – not only your best player, he's the best defensive player in the SEC. So if if he needs an extra week to get ready for fall camp, he needs an extra week to get ready for fall camp. It, it, it's the old Sparky Anderson thing where um, star players get special treatment. Um, this is this is not a democracy. Everybody's <laughs> not equal. <laughs> That's the truth. Speaking of, did you... Were you uh, worked into a fury over Darius Geis saying that Alabama is scared of a running game? Oh, my God. I was furious. I could hardly contain my anger. Bulletin was... board material. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama knows we're coming now. <laughs> oh, my God. Alabama might take the LSU game seriously. What will we do? <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's nothing worse than bulletin board whining. Well, like, you know, and also that's his job. It's media days. He's supposed to go up there, wear a cool suit, and he did wear a cool suit. Yep. And say something interesting, and he did. Okay, that, you know, there you go. That's the, that was the whole point of the exercise. And I, I don't even think Alabama players were that mad. <laughs> no. I, I'm the only people who were upset were Alabama fans or really uptight LSU fans. Yeah. I got a couple, like, he has no business to be talking. I'm like, I don't really, like, why not? I yeah. Know, what do you mean he doesn't? You know. know what his business is? He is the best player in LSU. That gives him the right yeah. to say whatever the heck he wants about LSU football. He also didn't get a chance to do anything against Alabama. I think he had eight yards on two carries. So he was yeah, actually he two, successful when he was in. He had two carries. Yeah, it's not like Alabama shut him down. So, yeah. It'd be one thing for, like, Leonard Fournette, who has – you know, as Al- every Alabama fan will remind you until the end of time, they were able to stop Leonard Fournette. But uh, even if Leonard said ho- something, I wouldn't care. Yeah, because he's Leonard Fournette, and he's allowed to say whatever the hell he wants. Yes. And, yeah, and, and like there are certain, and also I don't know, football's more interesting. I liked when uh, Florida, I, when Ivy was running his mouth and you know talking about how he wants to beat LSU and it's an important game and they're gonna you know. I forgot what his exact words, but he was saying, you know, he basically said, this is our biggest rival now. This, this game matters. Okay, good. I want players to say stuff like that. I don't dislike him. In fact, I liked him a little bit more for it. I thought he was, 
he was interesting on media day. Yeah, why? What is the? I don't understand where this mentality comes. Like this whole buttoned up. You, you shouldn't say anything. Respect the game. Respect your opponent. Like where did <clears throat> that shit come from? Well, I mean, it's sort of like the act like you've been there before, boy. And I get it from an Alabama thing because you know Alabama. If you if you smile, you get shot. Like you know, I can understand from one of their players. They're not allowed to do any of that stuff because their fans really would flip out. But LSU's fan base is supposed to be the fun loving, you know, get drunk, you know, run off your mouth thing. I mean, that's laissez le bon temps roulé. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get mad at a guy for laissez <laughs> And our best teams have always kind of played fast and loose and been a little wild and out there. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Uh, like, I would have a problem if he came out there and said something like, you know, this guy is a piece of garbage and, you know, I think he's a terrible football player and, like, I hope, you know, he gets hit by a truck. Unless it's, like, Chaz Ramsey, you know, who – or, some, you know, someone who actually had done something. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't do that. Like, okay, that's that's below the belt kind of stuff. Or, like, if I see that guy, I'm going to hit him in the knees. Okay, I can – I could say, okay, don't don't do that. That that's the kind of bad trash talk. But I think my team can beat your team. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, let's let's boil it down. That's what he's saying. I think the other team thinks we're really good. <laughs> yeah. Like that's essentially what he said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I know that it's true? Their coach said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the other thing is that Saban backed it up. Or even the other players are like, yeah, the toughest team we played was LSU. They, yeah. You know, why do you think Alabama schedules their bye week before LSU games? Yep. <sighs> I mean, you know, it's the game they circle. What was it was Dwayne Thomas last year, right? Yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne Thomas ran his mouth. It didn't work. But you know what? He played pretty well. Yeah, he played well. You know, I'm just saying we, we, you know, we still lost, but yes, you know, I had no problem with Dwayne Thomas running his mouth. That's exactly what you're. You're supposed to think you're going to win. Yeah, be confident. <laughs> I mean, I think Alabama part of their mystique is that teams come onto that field already halfway beaten. For sure. Of like, oh my god, I can't believe we're playing Alabama. I do think there needs to be an element of, eh, they're just another team. Yeah, we can beat these guys. I played this guy in high school and I beat his ass. Like, yeah, there there needs to be a little bit of cockiness and the lack of fear. Yeah, that's something that's, that we've stumped for on the site, our readers, and probably in our columns, too, just saying that, like, why do we still make bye week before the Bama game? Because it puts sort of that mythical aura on the whole thing, and it makes it this big pressure field. It feels like if we just kind of went through the motions of, like, a regular week— yeah. We might uh, be better prepared. I, I think we would, too. I think the extra week actually ends up hurting us um, just because of where we are mentally. Uh, I, I mean, you don't want to play like Florida than Alabama. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it would be nice to have, you know, uh, you know, like an Arkansas. You know, a good yeah. team. You know, they're in the conference, but not, you know, your very pinnacle best of the best. Well, it was weird, too, because the Bama game and then – a Florida game as carryover, but until that Bama game, and I, I'm not trying to discredit Bama at all here, but we had been a team that played pretty fun, 
upbeat, high energy when once Ogeron took over. Yeah. And in that game, we just looked, like, shelled up after about a half. We, we, you, know, you know what? We really looked like it was still Miles' team. Yeah. It was a like, reaction. that team looked like it was still mentally still caught in the Miles era. And I would like to see more of that Coach O, hey, let's go for the jugular, like the way they did against Missouri. And I know Missouri's nowhere near as good of a team as Alabama, but you saw that kind of attitude where they just – got up early and then just put the foot on the throat. And they hadn't done that in a long time. And then after the Alabama lost and you had the Florida game and it was just like this cycle of just, they lost the swagger. Yeah. And that's the, those are the sort of things that'll be interesting to see. Everyone's talking about the Ogeron message and the way he's, you know, changing the dynamics of the program. But can that message be sustained over the course of a season when it's not, when things aren't always rosy, when things are frustrating or not going the way you plan? Yeah, if you look at last year, if you look at the interim job he did, he was really good at messaging. Like he was fanatical about it, and I, I know I was kind of critical of it just because I hate that bullshit. But most people like it, and it does work. I, I'm just kind of immune to. <laughs> You know, to that, but he was You're really good at messaging. Like he was just really good at it. Like he, you know, he had his points, and he really, you know, really laid them out really well, and he got everybody on board—the players, the fans, the boosters, everybody. the The negative of him was he didn't really seem to have a plan B. Like he really lived up to that old Mike Tyson quote that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Like he had a great plan and that plan worked. But as soon as they faced any sort of adversity, they came apart. And I think part of it is that they were playing out a lost season. Like the coach had been fired and like they weren't really playing for anything. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit more excusable. But if that carries over to this year, then we have a problem. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think those are exciting unknowns, though. You know, it's stuff that. I don't know. You kind of knew how a Miles season would play out most of the time. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I, I think, and the thing is, you do know a little bit here. A lot's going to pe- depend on that Auburn game. Yeah, and, and that's just with every LSU season for you know the past twenty years. We're going to play Auburn really early in the year, and you're going to know from that game what kind of team you have. It's true. You know, it, and if you know you win. You know, we're talking SEC title. You know, you might not win it, but, you know, that's the standard. And if you lose, it's – I'm not saying it's over right then, but you're probably not a contender that year. Yeah, that is kind of the – I mean, Auburn wound up in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, it's a good bellwether game. Look, Auburn's a really good program, but, you know, LSU and Auburn are pretty close to one another. For sure. And, you know, look, it's also a game that tells a lot about Auburn, more so for Auburn, because it tends to be for them, if they beat LSU, they're going to have a monster year, and if they lose, they're going to be terrible. They kind of have, it's sort of like to them, their, you know, our Alabama game, where after we lose to Alabama, we kind of go into a hole. Same thing with Auburn. Yeah. It's like, if they lose to LSU, they throw in the towel for the whole season. <laughs> Oh, man. And you can, you know, read whatever you want into Gus Malzahn about that. 
Yeah, that's a, they're going to be interesting to watch. I don't know what yeah. to think of that program. I, I, look, they've got really – that backfield's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to have a Heisman contender at quarterback. Yep. And they're going to have two great co- uh, running backs. Um, I don't think either one of them is as good as Darius Geis, but together they might have a better backfield than we do. Yeah, it's a good crew. Um, so they have depth. and So from that point, awesome. Worried about the wide receivers and offensive line. And then on defense, uh, you know, the back seven's pretty strong, but man, losing the guys they lost up front, those were difference makers. Those were the guys who made their defense go. Yeah, it really is. I, so... As we're doing the position rankings, I was thinking about that, right? Because, like, their linebackers are pretty good. But you brought up a good point that, I mean, they're assuming a lot now with a rebuild defensive line. Yeah, I I think the big thing comes down to for them is line play on both sides. The offensive line, I mean, look, I don't think their offensive line is going to be terrible. I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, Their defensive line, I think, is a huge question mark. And, And I'm a big fan of line play on both sides. If you can get to the quarterback or you can't protect your quarterback, that pretty much tells you how your season is going to go. Yeah. It all starts up front. It all starts up front. I mean, it's a cliche because it's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean, skill players, you know, it's sort of like the old, you know, golfing thing where, you know, you drive for show and you putt for dough. It's the same thing with line play and your skill positions. The skill positions are the ones that are going to make all the highlight reels. I mean, that's the p- thing that makes people excited, but it's the lines, if, you know, that make stuff go. And look no further than Leonard Fournette's career. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I hope he, uh, I hope he does well in Jacksonville. Oh, I think he will. I mean, we're talking about a guy who had just over 600 carries in his um, LSU career, 300 of them in one year. So. He essentially only had one full year, and then he had two half years. You know, he played sparingly as a freshman, then he was hurt for most of his junior year. And he finished 12th all-time in the SEC in career rushing yards. He's a monster. (laughs) And honestly, in a weird way, I think the injury helps him. Because it wasn't like he broke his leg or his collarbone or something really significant. I mean, he had an ankle sprain. Yeah, it was the kind of injury that just ruins your production but doesn't actually ruin your body. And so it really limited the wear and tear on him in his junior year. You know, neither Miles or Orgeron were able to, you know, just workhorse him. You know, he didn't have that Derrick Henry, you know, 400 carry kind of year. He got, uh, well, if you ask Ole Miss, he got workhorsed. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if, you know, Ole Miss thinking any, you know, competent running back, you know, is a workhorse. I mean, they haven't had a running back in forever. You know, he did all that to Ole Miss, but it was still only on like 15 carries or something. Only twice in his career did he top 30 carries and never last year. I mean, he just, he was very lightly used for a player of his ability level. And I think that's going to really help him in his NFL career. There's not a whole lot of tread on those tires. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he was he was the first back taken, right? Yeah, yeah, he was taken. He, he was the first back taken. Clearly uh, better than uh, Dalvin Cook. I, you know, I, 
You know, I mean, I really like Dalvin Cook. I'm not gonna badmouth Dalvin Cook. Um, I will suck at Dalvin Cook. And uh, I know the one he was getting compared to was what the guy from Oklahoma. Um, oh, Mixon. Who's, yeah, whose name I'm intentionally forgetting. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. I mean, just I know he was the guy who had the the monster combine. Yeah. You know he, but I. That one does bother me. Like he, he's he he's not a good person. No. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. That's a weird. You know, I don't think have we recorded. I guess we've recorded since Bob. Yeah, we've kind of. And, and look, uh, I, I'm a big fan of we don't know these people. Yeah. Like, but I'm willing to make some assumptions about Mixon. <laughs> like, he he really just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, the lack of remorse. Is yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, I don't want to say it's okay if you know you just cry a little on camera, but you do can you, you can kind of tell the character of someone by how they react to this kind of thing. And yeah, he, he's just a blank slate. He doesn't give a shit. I probably feel more strongly against Jeremy Hill than you do, and even yeah. Jeremy Hill was pretty respectful and responsible after his yeah situation yeah and also like i think jeremy hill went through the the legal process is kind of my that's also a big thing for me yeah i I don't want guys to get special treatment because they're football players and i don't really feel that jeremy hill did i think he got treated like any other college student who got in a bar fight would be treated yeah and that's what you that's what you want to see yeah, for sure. Should we talk about baseball? You know, yeah, why not? Yeah. I saw right. Kramer. I, I Late night, I was surprised I got any replies because I'm West Coast now. And so when I send something at like 10 p.m. here, it's midnight, so I just assume most of my central timers are in bed or just done being online at least. Yeah, just tucked away under the sheets. So I, you know, I, dream, Dreaming the dream of the righteous. I tweeted a joke about Kramer Robertson, which actually got some replies. Yeah, it's it's hard to be mad at a guy. Look, I, it was that totally kind of a joke, but yeah, baseball's that kind of game. Guys get hot and they get cold, you know. And it's also Omaha. It's such a short time period. We're talking two weeks in the regular season. That's nothing. That's not even a slump. Nope. So I, I think the big thing is that the top of the order really let us down. Yeah, we just quit hitting. And the thing is, the bottom of the order really came through. Like, yeah. the guys who were hitting were the guys who weren't supposed to be, you know, your hitters. Every time we rallied, it was those guys. You know, it was, you know, it was Watson getting hits. Papirski was awesome. Um, and I know we had some problems with Slaughter in the back of the order. But, like, by and large, like, I mean, Josh Smith was playing really well. I Like, the back of the order really contributed. And it was that top of the order the guys you really count on the one, two, three. I, even when we were winning, even when we beat, you know, Oregon state, we did it without the, or even Florida state, we didn't really get production out of the top of the order in most of those games. And it eventually caught up to us against Florida. I, I think the biggest factor was that Walker got hurt. I think not having a third starter come the championship series really bit us in the ass. Yeah. It seems immeasurable now. Yeah. 
And, you know, it, we live in an era where it's, it's harder to win a title than it was in the 80s and 90s when there was only, let's face it, a handful of really good programs. Mm-hmm. And now there's like 20 really good programs. And, and so I, I think we've had some disappointments in Omaha, but I, I don't really chalk this up to a disappointment. Like this was – we played really well. Actually, we didn't play that well, and we still made the championship series. And, you know, we beat the number one team in the country. We beat them twice. It, it was a nice run. And making the championship series, it's a successful. You know, you, you know, you hate to fall that short, but that, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. They, Florida kind of had the series where the, you know, the ball dropped for them, and it didn't drop for us. You know, preseason, we said, or more pointedly, basically you said, and I agree, that this is the team that should go to the College World Series and be a contender. And they yeah. were. Yeah. And so, you know, I asked my buddy, who has not been a huge fan of Maneri, and I know our fans tend to go hot and cold on him, it seems like, but <laughs> I was like, you know, after we made it to the final, I was like, so do you still, like, not like Maneri, or... He wants the TCU coach, and I was like, you still choose that guy over Maneri? Like, he didn't do as well this year. And he was sort of like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. But he wanted to see how we would do, and then obviously we lost, so I didn't ask him again. But I, it I didn't mean, feel like it was mismanaged. Uh, yeah, like, what mistakes did he make? When you're, there comes a point where you have to rely on your players to do certain things, and he got the top of the order up yeah. in the eighth inning with the bases loaded. With nobody out. Yeah. And they just didn't come through. I mean, there comes a point where it's on the players. Yeah. And And I I haven't seen a lot. I mean, you probably have more people, more baseball people in your Twitter and stuff than I do. I I didn't see a lot of people really hating on Paul for uh, it. There were some. The really hardcore Manieri haters were still out there. But I think by and large, people were just like, look, you know, he did a pretty good job. And. I think some, you know, there was some second guessing about starting Poche, which yeah. you're waiting for him for game two. But I don't understand that because he pitched game two anyway. And he didn't really pitch that well. Yeah. I don't think he would have pitched better on shorter rest. Right. Like that's that's insane to me. Like, and you needed Poche to win one, and you could get to Alex Lang. So it really didn't matter which of the first two he pitched. So like, I think that's a silly criticism. Uh, really, the biggest thing was that double play, uh, um, and that's a call that can. That was a really borderline call. It really was. I don't, I don't think it was a bad call. I don't think the umps cost us, but that was really borderline. The the runner's hip touched the base, so he wasn't exactly really far yeah, out of the He base. wasn't out for blood, really. But he you know, he did alter his path. Yep. So I think by the structure of the rule, okay. And and so but man, losing that run that was the only thing that could have happened if you put a ball in play that wouldn't score a run. Uh, other than a pop up. My only, uh, you know, my the only thing I'd say about that call was it felt like they were really gonna be like by the book and like liturgical with all the calls, and then all of a sudden like they weren't, and it was kind of yeah. I I thought then Florida had a couple of plays where they're just like, ah, we're just gonna let shit go, and you're like, look, you can't. Yeah, I I did feel that uh, LSU got a tight rule book and Florida got the benefit of the calls, but really, I think that was just a momentum sapping call. Like yes, at that was. point, everything was going LSU's way. It really felt like you know the, the place was beginning to rock. It's turning, and then 
nothing happened, and then Florida had their big inning, and I that big inning was just. Ba- and I know there was some criticism. You know, we left a pitcher in too long. Like you ride your stars. I, I'm I'm almost never going to criticize a coach for riding your best players. And, and you know, he rode Zach Hess, and yeah. Hess fell apart because he pitched too much. Okay, reason he pitched too much is because his number three starter was hurt. What else do you want out of the guy? Like he. He put the ball in the hands of his best player, and his best player, you know, didn't have it anymore. That happens. Like, and I don't even, I don't blame Zach Hess because I think, you know, we wouldn't have been in that game had he not been awesome. So it's certainly not his fault, but I do think it's the right call to say, okay, game's on the line. I'm giving the player who's been. If it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. That that's the kind of decision that doesn't work out. And it's the same thing about manipulating the order to get Kramer Robertson up. You know, if Kramer can't get the key hit, well, that sucks. But that's the guy you wanted up. So I, I think – I don't want to say he did everything possible and he made every correct decision. But he made some 50-50 calls and those 50-50 calls didn't go his way. On the flip side, I think O'Sullivan made some 50-50 calls and they all worked out brilliantly. Yeah, like the old uh – what he did with I, his pitchers was yeah. I mean that was gambling. playing with fire, and it worked yeah. out for him. He played a shortstop who was nursing a back injury, and he made an incredible play down the foul line in the you know in the first game. Yep. Like I, I think, and that's when things are going your way. Like those decisions that he made were no better or worse than the ones that Manieri made. They just worked out because that's just that's just the way baseball goes sometimes, and. I think both coaches use an appropriate amount of risk. And it was just that LSU's risky calls didn't pan out. Florida's risky calls did. And that's just luck. I mean, that's just luck. And I don't mean that in the fact that Florida doesn't deserve the win. I'm just, that's how close games between two programs that are equally matched are decided. You know, both teams make risky calls and, it's going to go one team's way, and it went their way. And at the end of the day, you tip your hat and you know say good job. Yeah, it's like the uh, like the whole Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason bullshit thing. Yeah, as if Dave Roberts is just going to come out there and be like, "Well, for this postseason, we're actually we're going to shelf Clayton, and uh, you know we'll go with." We'll go with some of our relievers to work through the... Yeah, exactly. Like, he's Clayton Kershaw. You're going to yeah, lie. Of course you're going to throw Clayton Kershaw. It's sort of like, you know, Barry Bonds was a playoff choker until he wasn't, you yeah. know, and then he was awesome. Like, he's Barry Bonds. You put him out there because you expect your best players to come through for you. And if they don't, well, they were your best players. And that's... And if yeah. they don't come through, no one was going to. Who else were you going to count on? Yeah. And so uh, I think there comes a point you just got to show some faith in what you got. And... Yeah, I got really no problem with how Maneri managed Omaha. I think he did as well of a job as he could have. I mean, I I can nitpick some decisions. I wasn't entirely thrilled with how he used the bullpen, but what else is new? Um, but I don't think he cost us the title or anything like that. I think at the end of the day, our best bats went clo- went cold at the worst possible time. Yeah, and I think I think the most the majority of the fan base feels that way, and the people that were just going to hate him, like they would hate him if we won. They would have been like, "Well, we won without him." 
Yeah, we, we we had such a good team; it didn't really matter what he did. Yeah, anyone could have won with this team. Yeah. We overcame. We overcame his crappiness. Exactly. Like, oh, you know, you know, please. You know, uh, teams don't coach themselves. And also, look, the things that Maneri does well are big picture things. He's great at recruiting. He's good at building a program. Like those are the, you know, the the big decisions he makes. And. You know, and how that showed up is he had a team, you know, that earned, you know, a, se- a seed, got to host a super regional <laughs> and got a pretty easy draw. That's what he's good at. Yep. So, you know, I, I wish Dykeman would have had a better seed, you know, a better time in Omaha. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I would have loved for him to belt some homers. Yeah. Go out on top. Yeah. So, but no, it was a great year. And, uh, it's hard in any way to have any regrets over it. So, um, and honestly, look, going into the series when, you know, when I was talking about it, I thought Oregon state was, you know, was the best team in the country and I picked TCU to win it. So I didn't think LSU was going to win. Yeah. (laughs) And so we did actually did better in Omaha than I thought we were going to do. So hard to be upset now. And you got a good story out of it with the whole, you know, you lose the game to Oregon state played very poorly yeah, no, that was awesome. Do the haircut thing. That's a fun little memorable thing about this team that was a fun team. A yeah. Good team, and, so. and the fans of the beach ball. I thought that was kind of cute. Like, yeah. And our fans were fucking awesome. Like, Yeah, they always are. They, and I think that's the thing. It's like we walk away from that. I, I did like in the LSU Florida trash talking that uh, someone said that, you know, Florida was going to honor their College World Series win during the LSU game. And someone said, well, good. Then the fans actually got to watch them yeah, <laughs> be there for the game. Like, yeah, like like there's a Florida fan who can name any of their players. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's the big thing. It's like this sport really matters to LSU fans. But I was proud of them. Like this was a good year. Yeah, it was a weird – I think I summarized it on my Twitter saying like, after we lost in 2011, like I was set, like kind of sad and mad at the team. Yeah. This team, I was just like sad for them. Like I just felt I, bad that they didn't get to. I think that's the best way. And I think that it only took a couple of days for every person on this team to turn around and be like, I'm really proud of what we did. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't think this is going to be a weight that they're going to carry around for de- you know decades going, oh, we could have won that and we let it slip away. I think in the end they were just like, you know what, Florida beat us. Yeah, like there's nothing we're gonna point to and be like if if only. There's not a whole lot of that. So, um, yeah. And meanwhile, I think there's players on that 2011 football team. They're gonna go to their graves. Yes. Pissed about things about that game. We love you, T. Bob. We love you, T. Bob. We do. And he's too classy to say anything about it. But yeah, he is. But I mean, I know he's got regrets over that game. Like I, I don't even mean that. I don't even think that means he blames someone. But, like, I think he looks back and is like, we were the best team in the country. We could have been the best team ever. Yeah. And we walk away with nothing. Like, that's something that's hard to deal with. I bet every player on that team thinks they were the best team in the country that year. Yeah. And, honestly, if you look at it, we're talking like that team was, you know, 1996 Nebraska good. Yeah. And, you know, it, it would have gone down as one of the greatest teams in college football history. and. Instead, they've got rings that say number two on it, and yeah. that's, you know. God, we kicked the shit out of everybody. Yeah, yeah. and also just a brutal schedule. Yeah. I, I mean, you look back on it. They, they beat the Pac-12 champions. They beat the Big East champions, who both won their bowl games. 
Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like they won crappy conferences. And beat them you down. Know, like, not like, oh, you know, we snuck one out. No, like <laughs> we beat the event- we have beat the eventual national champions at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we beat another top five team in Arkansas. Beat the SEC East champions. <laughs> beat the SEC. Just beat them. I mean, it was just, just, yeah, just a great year. And, and so, and it's still hard, even five years later, to be proud of that team. I mean, I am proud of that team, but it, it, that is that will always be a team you're like, oh, something missing. Yeah, snake bit. You know, just ugh, if only. Which you know, sucks. I don't feel that way. You know, but I'm not going to feel that way about the baseball team. I, I think no. it's very much. I, I think they could have won the title, but I think they got everything out of the. They got everything out of their talent. They could have. They had a good run. Yeah. And so, yeah. Lots of good young guys in the program too. And more coming. Yeah, so. it's bad that uh, Walker is going to be out for next year. So, we're, yeah, that does we'll, suck. We'll deal with that later. But uh, um, so that that was an ominous note that was struck after the season that he's going to be out for the year. But that's next year. So I'm not going to I'm not going to wrap in what happens next year with this year's happiness. Mm-hmm. So not I'm not going to say there was disappointment there. Uh, should we do questions? Yeah, let's hit question time. Okay. <clears throat> Unless you got, we didn't get too many. All right, no, I, I didn't get any. I, you, know, I, you know how I try not to check. Yeah. So I can be legitimately surprised. So I did the whole, uh, we got a few questions of this variety, but the first one's from Studley saying, how many national championships have LSU won in football, gym, and baseball between 2017 and 2341, since that's when the tweet came from. Okay, we're not allowed to tell you, and that would ruin the surprise. So. Yeah, we're all about being in the moment on this podcast. Yeah, so. yeah I know. It's like, it's like you don't want to open your Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. you got to wait until Christmas to open them. So. Enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy. That's all we'll say. Uh, Andrew Donald Davis says, how does the skeleton war end up going? The skeleton war, well, you know, they have to fight the zombies and skeletons degrade because really, not, if you think about it, what holds a skeleton together? I've always wondered well, that. You know, it's just, you know, do they have ligaments as well? I really, the, the, the long and the short of it. <laughs> uh, Vineyard Dog says, what's your position on LSU's disputed 2275 national championship? Spoiler alert. When they made gumbo out of the opposing team live at the 50-yard line. Well, that's just fair play because yeah. uh, gumbo is most delicious when it's made from the only true game there is, hunting man. <laughs> <laughs> that's the future of football. That's, that's it is. John Boyce has been right. Yeah. That, uh, by the way, the, 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 what is it, the 17776, what a brilliant series that is. That, that man is demented. You know, if you're not reading it, you should be. The other day, this was before any of that had been published. I was talking to my friend who is also, he writes for the Arsenal, well, my brother-in-law who writes for the Arsenal. Our, 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 our Arsenal, that's a mouthful. Our Arsenal yeah. blog on SB Nation. All right. And I made a comment that like, how does SB Nation employ John Boyce? Because like, 
all he does are these weird, and I, that sounds like a dig at John Boyce. It's not because I love John Boyce. He's God, amazing. He the yeah, the best stuff. The guy's just a total crackpot. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love him so much. But he's like, probably my favorite sports writer. <laughs> if you put it on paper, you'd be like, why the fuck does a sports writing company have this person on staff, right? Like, because yeah. he just writes these bizarro out there things. But I love it. I'm glad. I'm so glad that they give him freedom and just let him be himself and do these really creative, exploratory, interesting things because they're great. Yeah. No, I agree. It, and look, they're sports. They're supposed to be fun. Yes. And, and I think that's something that we lose sight of a lot of time, particularly in the Screaming Head era where everything's just so serious all the time. Like it's – I, I'm glad there's someone out there that writes for you know the site, you know the same company we write for. That we have this guy who is just just takes sports to its absurdest peak. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. This is like a far more serious discussion, but with all of these major media outlets suddenly doing this whole well, we're video only bullshit now, which is terrible. I don't even think fans want it. Yeah, how does I mean? Video has always been a big component of what Vox does, both on SB Nation, on Vox.com. Like, they do a lot of video content, but they've also continued to produce a ton of written word, too. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting well, to see if there's any sort of measure. Well, we're cheap. So, you know, that works out well for them. Yeah. We're, we're cheap. We're part of the problem. Uh, we're stealing jobs from professionals. Um <laughs> And I do feel bad about that. I kind of want to write something about that, but I also think we'll, you know, I get us in a shit ton of trouble. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the first times I've ever said, I probably shouldn't write this. Because um, if it's about football issues, I don't care. I'll write anything. But, like, I wanted to write something about media. And I'm like, you know what? We're kind of the problem. <laughs> um, I do think the difference between, like, SB Nation and Bleacher Report is there's a lot more quality. And I'm not saying that's a Tudor own horn. But SB Nation does a lot to regulate quality of its bloggers. Yep. Um, because a lot of us would be right. We're either would be writing or were writing on our own before this. You know, we got sucked up by SB Nation in the first place. Yep. I know I was, I was writing with Pittman, and uh, um, you know we got sucked up in the universe, and we weren't the original LSU site because once again they kind of have some quality assurance where they're just like, okay, no, this blog wasn't the snuff. They're all fired, and like they did that with a. Uh, um, good bull hunting. Before that, the A and M blog, you know, was not pulling its weight, and so they fired them, and then went out and got new staff, and you know, created a new Texas A and M blog. So, and they're great. It's not, oh god, they're, they're outstanding. I, I, I love good bull hunting, but so there is an element of even though it's, you know, they're not, you know, you know, we're, it's not a professional staff, except for at the very peak. There is an emphasis on quality. Uh, so I, I do think, yeah, we're stealing people's jobs, but we at least take our writing serious. Yeah, even on our own site where we get to pretty much regulate who writes for us, well, entirely regulate, it's always a vetting period. Like we let them write a little something and yeah. do that for a little bit, see if they prove to be consistent or good. And if they yeah, don't, I, then we just say, no thanks. Yeah, I think one of the big things is that, you know, Podcat is still the editor-in-chief, and he does a really good job as the editor. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Pod doesn't write much. No. 
but he's a really good editor. He's, you know, he's saying, Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. This is the organization. I'm going to give this person a chance and they're going to write these things. I think he's always looking for things and he's always trying to drive content. It's once again, it's a non-professional site, but we have an editor. So yeah, suck it. it, it, Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's not just, it's not like it was when it was just me and Pittman just writing whatever the fuck we wanted. And there was literally no oversight. Yeah. So, I mean, I still write whatever the hell I want, and I'll get in trouble later for it. You know, <laughs> I'll deal with the nasty gram because that's my commitment to you, the reader. <laughs> you know, in the wake of, I think you went to bed after the not too long after the national championship game, but uh, I did. A lot of our editorial staff got into a fight with the Alligator Army, which I started and then went to bed because <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize there was a fight. <laughs> Where he basically, like, Alligator Army was just tweeting out a whole bunch of anti-LSU stuff in the wake of their title. And I basically was just like, man, that's kind of sad. You want a title and you're obsessed with the loser. Like, yeah, enjoy your title. And I was just like, I feel bad for you. And I do. I, I, I genuinely feel bad. If you, I at least get it from an Alabama standpoint because they've won so many titles. They just need to keep it fresh somehow. Um but if you've never won a title in baseball before, you finally win one, and your first reaction is to look at the other team and be like, ah, fuck you. Um, okay, but like, like this is your moment. Like, titles are rare. Like, this should be the moment where you're, you're happiest, and you should enjoy it. And if you're spending your time, and I think, the, yeah, the moment I kind of snapped at him was when he said he had a whole folder of LSU stuff. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's... Dude, like you're just kind of missing the point. Once again, you're just robbing yourself of joy. And he said something back to me, and I was like, okay, fine. He's allowed to shoot back, and I went to bed. And then, yeah, I woke up the next morning, and I had like 300 notifications. And, <laughs> you know, he and Pod just, you know, went at it. Yeah, Pod was not having that shit. He was, yeah. Because Adam was like wanting to write what I think he was trying to like break the ice a bit and like write a silly column but pod was like no we're not doing that shit <laughs> yeah we are not and then billy assigned me the uh, um now why don't you explain the whole lsu florida thing in legal terms <laughs> like, all right yeah. <laughs> so even billy was getting into it and billy's normally really good about dealing with other sites he tends to be our our sherpa yeah because i don't play well with others i know this about me it's it's not that I'm mean to other sites because I don't really troll a whole lot of other sites that often. It's just that I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and that comes off. <laughs> like, they know I don't care. <laughs> and I so I'm not, a, I'm not as good at playing with the other sites. Billy's really good at that. And even then, he was just like, no, nope, we're here. You write a thing, it's going to really piss off Florida. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's still baffling to me in this whole ordeal how. Is somehow they have turned this into that we don't care about the storm, and like I, yeah, I, that's I really don't know where that came. Like I was every time I see someone say it, I want to be like, you realize like we are the ones that brought up the storm that this might be a fucking problem, right? Like we're the ones that said that. Well, because it's an easier line, you know, because they're just like you know, you know, all I care about was you know my family during the storm, and I get that. That was our you know our whole point. It's like yeah. look. Dude, this is a hurricane. This is serious shit. Like, let's not. No, we're gonna play this game. No, come hell or high water on Saturday in Gainesville. We're like, guys, you're you're gonna need those emergency personnel to do something else. Just throw that out there. (laughs) 
like hurricane, you know, like your governor's declared a state of emergency. You're not going to be able to play a football game. Um, but I think it's just an easy line because once the game got canceled, they just wanted to blame us. And I mean, I get it. That's what you do. You just, you know, you create a narrative and then you just get mad at the other side. Um, I will say that Florida is much better at putting forth a narrative. LSU, and this is where I hurt Billy's feelings because I know he worked for LSU's PR department for a while, but our PR department sucks. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to improve under Ozeron. I, I've said this a lot. Like, you know, we did not get our line out because we were saying by on Tuesday, this game cannot happen. Like, dude, it's a hurricane and hurricanes are serious. And the most important thing are people's lives. And we're not going to jeopardize people's lives to play a fucking game. That's ridiculous. Like we need to come up with an alternate, alternate plan, but we didn't get ahead of the story. We didn't, you know, and then at the press conference, like, Florida was already out there blaming LSU. Like their head coach took shots at us. Their AD at the announcement, you know, was a a bad-mouthing LSU, which is just so unprofessional I can't believe it. And LSU – and the thing that Florida was mad about, which they do have a gripe here, is that LSU's AD was leaking like a sieve. Like they were trying to keep the cancellation under wraps and we leaked it before the announcement happened. Yeah. So they did have, you know, they're right. And, but it wasn't a malicious thing on LSU's athletic department. It's that we can't keep a damn secret. (laughs) And we couldn't keep the firing of miles under wraps. We're just not good at this stuff. And so they had really tight media discipline and we didn't, and we don't. And that's always kind of hurt us. I mean, I think it's, it shows up in the fact that Leonard Fournette never got invited to New York for the Heisman. That's ridiculous. The guy, I can understand him not winning it two years ago, but to not get invited to New York is just a total failure of yes. our public relations. For shame. And so I think that's the issue, is that Florida had all their ducks in a row, and they had a script they were reading from, and they had they had a message, and they all stayed on message. And LSU didn't really have an official message because we were just like – we were trying to get the game on. We were more concerned about things that mattered. But at the end of the day, perception matters a lot too. And so, yeah, we, we, tend, to get, we tend to get killed on those kind of things. I think it, and that's the reason – I think the reason so many LSU fans are still sensitive about the whole deal is even beyond – well, first of all, you have a lot of national media folks that just love to – poke their head in and don't know shit and then yeah. they're like LSU totally mishandled some whatever yeah, well, yeah, that was, that that was a dumb thing like whatever I'm not, it's not even worth it's like we didn't control the game we couldn't cancel it so go fuck yourself yeah. that's right that's right Paris Alley go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> but I think the idea that they really think we're the assholes like that's I think that's what grates on LSU fans because we feel like we were trying to do them a solid like, yeah, I think there's a definite element there because I think LSU, when it comes to natural disasters, because we've been hit so hard, so much, so frequently in the, in the last decade, like, I think we've really bent over backwards for people. Like, I think what we did for South Carolina, like, that was a real good feelings game. Yes. 
where we moved it and like you know we tried to make it a home game and like our band tried to play their fight song and stuff like that. Yeah, we gave like, them we all gave, like gave them the ticket gate and everything. Gave them the entire ticket gate. We you know we did everything we could to make it. It wasn't a home game. We know we knew it was a terrible thing, but we tried to do our best. We got a fucking also, NCAA exception for Leonard Fournette to auction off his uniform and donate money to charity. But also like. The tornadoes in, in Tuscaloosa. I, LSU fans were at the forefront of trying to raise money for the victims of that tornado because we know how much natural disasters suck. You know, we've been hit. Well, we had the floods last year. Yeah. And, you know, and Baton Rouge was really reeling from those floods. And it was and so, so fresh. Think, like, we still had people it, that write for us not in their houses. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the thing is that LSU fans particularly Baton Rouge residents felt like we've done this for this program. We've done this for this program. And it was a good feeling. Like we would do it again. Like if there was a problem with South Carolina, we would do the same exact thing. No problem. And here we tried to do this thing for Florida and they immediately accuse us of trying to like snake a game from them. And it's kind of like, and I do agree with them on this one. It's sort of like, it tells you a lot about Florida's athletic department but their first thought is how are they trying to scam us yeah if that's your first thought it tells you that you've been scamming too many people in your life <laughs> yeah. but also i think it really hurt lsu fans because i think we self-identify as people who are really sensitive to natural disasters like this is kind of i don't want to say our wheelhouse but it's something that we think we're good at that you know we really care and we you know when stuff happened in south carolina we were there you know alabama that wasn't even a football game like we did a you know we raised a lot of money at our game that year to help out tuscaloosa and look we hate bama but we don't hate the people of tuscaloosa that's ridiculous so i think it really struck at our core identity if that makes any sense yeah, absolutely. and for them to for Florida to accuse LSU of trying to take advantage of natural disaster cuts us to the bone. I, I think it is the kind of line that you can't take back. Like that—that's like sort of like you know in Texas calling someone a liar. Yeah, it, it, I think that's why people are so mad. For sure. <sighs> It's going to make for a good rivalry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, I still don't give a shit about Florida. You know, you know, we'll beat you anyway. And I think the funny thing about that game is that, look, Florida, I don't understand why Florida fans are so mad about it because they clearly benefited. You know, they had tons of injuries that week. They got to heal up, play us later in the season. Yeah. And, you know, a more advantage, you know, advantageous week for them. You know, when LSU had to play a three games in 16 days. And then in a game where basically LSU dominated the flow of that game. I mean, I, I mean, I hate the yardage zealots as much as the next guy, but LSU outgained them two to one. Like, that's the kind of advantage where you win like 90% of the time. Yeah. And LSU basically had one bad play on defense. You know, where they had the, what was a 90-yard touchdown run. Mm-hmm. And couldn't score in the red zone. And couldn't score in the red zone, and they lost the game. And here's the thing is, like, I don't think there's too many LSU fans who are still bemoaning that game for that game. It's Once again, we, we lost in his lost season 
it, where we had fired our coach playing out the string where we had nothing to play for. We lost on a goal line stand. Big whoop. I mean, honestly, it's it's not a game that's going to go down in LSU lore as like one of the hardest defeats of our you know program. But you know, for Florida fans, it's like something they're always bringing up. And this is my if for any Florida fans still listening, we don't give a shit. I'm sorry, it's it's not a game that you're not really scoring any points. I mean, when, if an Alabama for, fan brings up 2011, they're scoring points. I mean, we can deny it all we want, but that game still hurts. Yeah, you know, and if an Auburn fan from last year wants to bring up that game, that hurts. Yeah, that was the end of our yeah coach. Like, yeah that that one you know that one cut deep. Losing it, you know. Oh, we finished eight and four instead of nine and three. Oh no, what will we ever do? Yeah. Like, you know, it's not. It's not a meaningful loss. It's not the kind of thing where like Ole Miss is still going to be bitching about how you know we set our you know clocks back two seconds. The only real loss was it probably cost us the Sugar Bowl. It maybe cost even that was still up in yeah. the air. Yeah, it, it made it, it maybe cost. It probably did is yeah. how it worked out. But it, that's not. I, I mean, kind of feel better about getting to whoop Louisville's ass. Yeah. Instead, we got to beat the crap out of Louisville. It was considered one of the best teams in the country. That turned out to be a great bowl game. So, like, I, I'd much rather have that. Who did Auburn even play? Oklahoma. Okay, Oklahoma would have been nice to play as well. Yeah. Eh, but you know what? Beating the Heisman winner is always fun. So. <sighs> yeah. So is Florida crept up your rivals list? Or are you still just yeah, oh. don't care? No, because my 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 real problem is with their with their AD with Foley, and he you know he quit. That was it. Yeah, I think Foley was a shady son of a bitch, and I think he basically he big timed our SEC commissioner Sankey, who didn't do his job. If I'm mad at anyone, I'm mad at Sankey. Um, he yeah, allowed himself not a good start to his tenure. He, he allowed himself to get pushed around by Foley, but. Hey, that's Foley's job. He's supposed to do that. It's just that he let him get away with it. I think, but also Foley's not there anymore. So what? I'm supposed to still be pissed at him? Like, <laughs> and I know Florida fans keep popping our mentions to you know be mad about the game, but I'm kind of like, why are you angry? You you won the game, so shut the fuck up. Like, I don't. You no longer have. I don't get where the righteous anger is coming from. I think the best thing is that they come into our mentions and are like. Fuck Joe Oliva. And it's like, you're not really making us mad. Like, most yeah. of us feel the same way. Yeah, like, we're, yeah, yeah, you, we hate Oliva. Well, he joined the fucking club. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen parking prices? Um, <laughs> Everyone's just like, thanks? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, no, I, I still hate Auburn more. Um, Ole Miss is still more of a traditional rival, Alabama. Yeah. I, I still think, you know, I think there's some recent juice to it, but I still think A&M is the long-term, the bigger rival than Florida. Really? I think that's the one that's going to you know keep going for years and years. Man. A&M is such a perfect rival for us. And I love that they haven't beaten us yet. That's just outstanding. Yeah, I don't know. I, obviously, we disagree on this topic. So, Well, yeah, but it's also like – it's not that I'm saying that the game doesn't matter. Like what I like about the game is that they're really good every year. Yeah. 
And I like playing teams that are really good. And it's not like I like them. It's like, but it's not the one that, you know, that I care the most about. So I think that was the most frustrating thing about the game last year is that they weren't particularly good. But they beat us. They, they beat yeah. us. So, yeah. you know what? For fucks, you know, you win. You win. You did win the game. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're allowed to talk all the smack you want, but I don't understand why you're pissed about it. Yeah. We won it. I'm so angry about it. Okay. <laughs> like, have a game ball. Like, I even, you know, retweeted the guy today who, you know, made a Darius Geist joke when they said that, like, uh, the Carmelo Anthony trade to Houston is on the two-yard line. And I said, well, they better not give the ball to Darius Geis. That's a good line. <laughs> well done. That's a well-placed, you know, Bon Mott. You know, I'm not upset by that. That's I, I'll always retweet funny. <sighs> oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I did like that you pointed out that his uh, handle was uh, Malik Zaire Heisman. Um, that's not going to age well. Yeah, that's um, pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Malik Zaire, I I don't get that at all. But well, they have no one except for Felipe Franks. But that's yeah, gonna be, that might add to the rivalry too. Yeah, if Felipe Franks turns out to be a great quarterback, which is certainly possible, that could add some juice. He tweeted something about how to prove. You know, everybody in this era that is young. Has haters? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know who they are, but every they have them. They'll tell you, I have haters. <laughs> so they do indeed. I'm always like, who are your haters? I don't. Well, because because everybody interprets mild criticism as hating. Yeah, it's a weird That's, thing. Yeah. From the, I don't even know. These are like neo millennials, I guess, like the the youngest of the young. Because I don't think feel like people my age would be like, I have haters. All my haters. Out Wait. There. Well, also, if you're in recruiting now, you do have haters in the sense that I'm sure wherever you recruit, you're going to get a thousand tweets from another team that you spur that tells you how much you suck. Yeah. So you're like, I have all these haters. 999 of them will come from crackles. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's he's doing work. He's <laughs> doing work. But, but those guys don't honestly hate you. Like, that doesn't count. Like, people no. are just weird during recruiting. Oh, yeah, especially Tennessee fans. And, well, you know, they don't have much else to cling to. What are they going to do? How many – we're out of questions. The last question I meant to add on was was just Crackles replying to Vin, Vineyard saying, did we at least cross the 50, which is a pretty <laughs> good line. <laughs> see, I can laugh about it now. Yeah, see, that's a good one. Yes, we will cross the 50-yard line to make our gumbo. Um but yeah, how many I, uh, SEC coaches are going to get fired after this year? Because I feel like you got Sumlin, Malzahn is on the hot seat despite going to the Sugar Bowl. Butch Jones that, that, could very well get fired. That's a big one for Malzahn. Uh, I, I think Auburn's really got to do something this year. If you look how down the West is, if Auburn doesn't finish a strong second this year, you really got to seriously consider firing that guy from Auburn's point of view. Right, I would think so. It's not like um, they're really consistently doing anything. The door is wide open for them. I mean, if you're looking from their perspective, they're like, 
no one in the West is that great. Okay, Bama's still Bama, but we're going to have a great offense. That's Malzahn's, you know, wheelhouse. You know, if we don't go into the Iron Bowl with a shot at winning the SEC, this year is a failure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, someone's in deep trouble. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is in a lot more trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I Do mean, you know I, I thought. I mean, I thought that this was going to be kind of a mulligan year for Freeze, but now I think it's going to get worse and worse as the NCAA is getting more and more aggressive on him. Ooh, how did we not yeah, talk it, about this? The the Houston Nuts suit, which everyone wants to <laughs> laugh about, but like, I mean, I, get I, it. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but yeah, it's just funny, I'm like you know. Well, it, what the interesting part is basically that Nut is going after Freeze, and Ole Miss has tried their damnedest to be like. Yeah, we fucked up, but it wasn't you. Like, everyone but you. Yeah, well, that was kind of their whole thing. Is like they've tried to pin it all on Houston Nutt. And I don't think Houston Nutt cared that much until they stopped paying him. Yeah. <laughs> and look, if you're going to blame the guy, cut him a check. And yeah. I think now that they're not cutting they got cheap. And it's going to end badly for Ole Miss. There, I see no way this does not end very, very badly for them. Yeah, it's going to be pretty ugly over there. But, yeah, so you have Hugh Freeze is going to be on the hot seat. I, Dan Mullen, you, you never know how long he's going to last in Mississippi State, you know, when he's going to run out of magic. Um, yeah, Bielema, um, Arkansas kind of had a window, and they haven't taken advantage of it. I mean, there comes a point of, like, what are we doing right now? They're, they're kind of stuck in neutral. Yeah, they're 25 and 24 under Bielema. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guys. And then you look at the East. Yeah, Butch Jones is in deep trouble. Um, I think unless there's a total collapse at Georgia, I think Kirby Smart's fine. Um, uh, McElwain's, you know, earned himself some goodwill with two straight SEC East titles, but they're not really competing for anything right now. Mm-mm. Stoops uh, is probably safe after beating Louisville. And also I think Kentucky, uh, I'm going to say it, Kentucky could be a sneaky good team this year. <laughs> oh. Um, no, I, I really like Kentucky this year. I think they're going to, you know, I think they'll decide the SEC East race. By that, I mean, I think the runner can cost someone else to go to Atlanta, <laughs> not them. Um, Vanderbilt, it's hard to get fired at Vanderbilt. And they've had some good years, I mean, for Vanderbilt. So, um, yeah, you look at, you know, Missouri kind of needs to get out of the out of the muck. It's hard they started to fire off really strong in the SEC, and the last couple of years have not been up to that level. So yeah, you, you look around. There's a lot of you know you could have like seven or eight coaches that are, and they won't all get fired. But there's seven or eight coaches right now, at least feeling pretty warm right now. Yep, it's an interesting time, but it's uh, like we've discussed many times. The coaching quality in the conference right now is not at its best. It's not. It's Saban and 13 substitute teachers. <laughs> Brutal. And, and, and until someone proves otherwise, that's it. Uh, you know, right now, for every coach in the conference, you can look him in the eye and say, tell me how you're better than Dan Mullen. <laughs> yeah, that's such a weird thing. Yeah. He's probably I don't the mean second this, best coach. I think he is. Which is not – I don't think Mullen's a bad coach. But at the same time, Dan Mullen's the second best coach in your conference. Things have gone horribly awry. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he should be a middle-of-the-pack solid coach. I would like to see him at a place with more resources. I, would, I wonder what he see. could do. I would. I wonder what he could do at a place with more resources. Uh, I'm actually not opposed to that, but then again, I didn't want him to come here to LSU. So yeah, that's a, that's. A, I think we joked about this last year is that you and I and others are always like, yeah, he's a pretty good coach. Would you want him? <laughs> no, 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 not <laughs> no, at all. No. Like, so yeah, there's something. Uh, he's got the stink of Mississippi State on him. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, poor guy. I mean, it, it shows he can't get any other jobs. He's that's trying. why those. That's why those jobs are so hard. They are career killers. Because, I mean, he's done better at Mississippi State than anybody in a century, and he can't get another job. I mean, that's amazing. That's how much of a career killer Mississippi State is. It's brutal. So, I hope. Uh, Ole Miss can freeze and hire Stan Mullen. That'd be great. Yeah, then we can, you know. Look, I think he freeze is a great coach. He's just, God, he needs better bag men. Because, <laughs> I mean, we forget just how much, how bad things had gotten at Ole Miss when he got there. Yeah, it was bad. And he turned him around quick and in a hurry. But then again, if they force him out, they, they could be in the same place this year as they were when he got hired. Yeah, I mean, and part of the quick and the hurry is how fast and loose they played with their cash. So, uh, yeah, because you, you look at Ole Miss right now, they they, they could be staring at no in eight year. Yeah, someone's trying to convince me that that's a huge game for us this year, and uh, I'm just not buying into that. Sorry. I mean, I'll at least point out that it's a rivalry game, so anything can happen. Ole Miss, you know, lives to beat LSU, but Ole Miss looks terrible. Like they're going to be terrible this year. Yeah, there's not much. Like, people who – the main argument I've seen is, like, well, Shea Patterson's going to be really good. I'm like, you know, he really wasn't that good last year. And I understand he was a true freshman, but it's not like he came in and lit the world on fire for, like, four games. Yeah, I'm like, like, he showed some moments. Yeah, I mean, I can see why people – I can see why people think he's going to be good. But, man, it's not just that they don't look good. It's that so many bad things are happening around that program. It's got to infect you. Well, yeah, and, and it's – it's and once again, we're talking look good, but it also, like, yeah, he has no, he doesn't have much support. Either. And it's also, it's easy to be positive in July and August. Yeah, but as if they go in the if they go into that season and start losing early, I can see the wheels coming off. Like Ole Miss has the real potential. Like if there was not none of the background stuff going on, I could say okay, they could survive and go six and five this year or six and six. Really feels like a team where if one thing bad happens in September, a hundred things are going to go bad in October. <laughs> look, like I, I, mean, I don't. If you look at their schedule, even they play South Alabama, who is like the ultimate D one killer. Yeah, to start, that's their first game. Then they get the gimme in Tennessee Martin. Then they go to Cal, which won't be easy. And then they go to Alabama, and then they go to Auburn. In the first week of October. Like, they could have four losses by the first week of October. Yeah, and if that happens, it, it's all over. Look, if, if they lose one of those first two, they lose to either South Alabama or Tennessee Martin, I, I mean, they are – they're not the Hindenburg yet, but, you know, they are filling the blimp full of hydrogen. Yeah, they're taking on water. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a place that can go bad in a hurry. 
I guess we'll see. But yeah, I, I think we we're talking that we're going to try and get Billy on this thing and we'll try and do a more robust season preview. I don't know when we're going to do that, but we'll try and get, you know, the, the core ATVS writers out here. The near future. The near future. We'll talk about this season. We'll do a preseason preview probably about week six. Yeah. That's the way yeah, we do things here. Given our recording schedule, we are on top of things. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I'll publish it uh, during the Right about when the season's ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have to do better. All right. Yeah. It's all your fault. Everything is my fault. I think we'll end it on that. It's all your fault. Fair.